We're back on the lift. We are, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about a couple different things. Number one, Powder Magazine. Sadly, uh, the end of an era with Powder Magazine, at least the print edition. So Lance and I get into that. Plus, we talk a little bit about reservations. So we'll hear from Rick and get right back on the lift. Thank you for listening to On The Lift Podcast, a Runaway Dumpster production. Live from Greenwater Studios, this is On The Lift Podcast, your weekly show that is ultimately about skiing. This is the show that ducks the rope, earns some turns, dances in ski boots, poaches hot tubs, closes the bar, and still makes it on the first chair. Here's your hosts, two dudes who rip the pow, shred the gnar, and tell the tales, Lance Hester and Michael Gore. All right, Mike, thanks for getting us an introduction there. So, so yeah, Powder Magazine, we teased that a few episodes back that we're going to revisit um, the Powder Magazine issue, and then uh, I think this is just the start of our conversation about powder. I'm really hoping, Mike, that very soon... We hear from some listeners about Powder Magazine and uh, kind of the role it's played in their skiing journey, so to speak. So if any of you listeners after hearing Mike and I talk about this stuff want to call us at 253-260-4577, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a message. We'll get back to you or give us permission to put your comments on the air. And then um, on the liftpodcast.com, we have a comment form there that you can fill out. Love hearing from you guys. But so, yeah, Mike, tell me what you know about powder. Well, we kind of teased this in the first episode uh, of, of this season that, you know, sadly they'd be ceasing their print production. Um, and, you know, it seems like just yesterday we were getting the 40th edition, right? The really cool. I mean, I've got it. I, I can see it on my bookshelf right now. Um, really cool collector's piece. But uh, sadly, just, you know, another casualty of print media, the, the company that owned them decided to shut down not only them, but Surfer Magazine, Bike Magazine, um, several titles that have been around a long time. So wow. um, what got me thinking about it today and kind of why we're, we're talking about it today of all days is uh, Dave Reddick had posted on the Powder official Facebook page just the fact that he'll kind of be keeping the light on for powder, so to speak there and having like, you know, reposting some articles. If, if you go to, if you follow powder on Facebook or if you go to powder.com, I believe they have a link to the very first issue. So, oh, yeah. you know, that would be cool to kind of go down memory lane, but the picture that he posted was really cool. Cause it was like just a stack of powder magazines and the spines and there's like little, phrases on on the spine of every powder magazine um which i mean i'm looking at them right now it's like maybe we'll never know let's go skiing <laughs> we've still got issues it lasts forever i mean it just the i guess what's sad about this other than losing this icon of the sport is just you know the way that ski media is now it's just it's so ephemeral right it's just like a post Here's Candy Thovex skiing over gravel again. But, you know, those Steve Casimir articles or those, you know, just the, the editorial quality that went into that magazine, 
for uh, from the beginning yes uh, and i you know okay so 54 years old my subscription began you know i guess it, way back for, compared to now but i'm not an early uh, early subscriber and i can't complain i can't claim to have subscribed throughout all of powder's history but one of the things that that, that magazine did um throughout its entire history is it referenced back to its earlier life you know it would reference back to its founder or one of its co-founders jake moe you know captain powder and and guys like you mentioned casimiro just did an amazing job um uh holding kind of sacred ski history um and, and it was just it was just something that that if you're a curious skier or you're a skier who you know maybe grew up in the back of the station wagon um for a few seasons with your folks like me uh if you got your hand on powder it kind of it kind of helped you understand that you that sort of special feeling you had um for the sport that you were uh that you were just sort of passionate about at an early age i was gonna cry lance <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it you can just kind of tell i mean when we really reflect on losing powder i mean yeah it it really captured i mean not to be cliche but it was the soul of skiing i mean it was it, it, and the the whole like waiting all summer for the first issue you know that was like that's when your ski season really started was when that first issue would drop and and you'd you know be really excited to see what the new ads look like even you know I mean, oh, yeah. even ads and powder were were amazing so um yeah, they were edgy. They weren't geared toward, you know, just racers and and uh people who can afford to go to Vail and yeah. and you know the the expensive places. They focused on, you know, the equipment. I'm just looking while we're talking, I I'm looking at um sunvalleymag.com. sunvalleymag.com has an article in there just a couple week ago issue. It says uh December 21st, 2020 about it, the the title of it is Sun Valley's Irrepressible Jake Moe, um, one of the uh, founders of, um, you know, of, of uh, the whole powder era, the powder um, success. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a classic story of a guy who's, you know, 20 years old and has a Volkswagen bug and leaves Seattle and goes to Sun Valley. And next thing you know, we're talking about a magazine. Um, but I think that despite being sold to corporate America in I don't know when it was, late 80s, early 90s, um, the magazine was able to keep that, that fresh sort of independence that must have motivated him to move out to Idaho and, and uh, begin a journey uh, that, that you know, ended up in a magazine and kind of legendary status. Well, yeah, and that's what I think is so impressive about Powder is it maintained that legitimacy and relevance to, you know, each generation of skiers. I mean, we wouldn't have known about Captain Powder other than, you know, the fact that they kept that heritage alive, right? Just like yeah. K2. Like, if you see some of the old ads from K2 on Vashon Island, it was just... <laughs> it was ridiculous, um, they were awesome. but it's, it, but it's awesome. Right. And that has kind of like taken from generation to generation that like, I'll say it again, soul of skiing 
regardless of who they're owned by, you know, regardless of what editorial pressure I'm sure they're under to just sell ads. I mean, we're the company that owned them had other titles that you see at the airport, right? Men's Journal, I believe, yep. and, and other, all these other, you know, hey, get killer six pack abs, how to ask for a raise, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Top uh, gas station men's health supplements rated. I was going to say they got, they got the Extends as their sponsor. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, but even through that, like they, the, um, the skiers that, that worked there and wrote for them really maintained um, integrity through that. So again, yeah. I, I, I'm starting to feel like I'm talking about, you know, manual typewriters and, and vinyl and, <laughs> you are. and seasoning yeah. cast iron pans here, but it, it, I'm, I'm really flooded with nostalgia after just this image of a stack of powders that, you know, I'm thinking about, I mean, I've got one at my house, you've got one, everyone in our crew has the stack of powders, Yes. you know, which is the stack of magazines that you would leave in public back in the day. Right. Um, <laughs> Well, okay. So I, I've never really like lined up the whole co-founder thing. I'm assuming, I'm assuming uh, Dave Moe is Jake's brother. And he, as I understand it was, was the guy who dress up in the all white kind of military grade ski outfit with a white um, like hat and paint his face white and wear white rim glasses. And he was Captain Powder. Right. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> If if I remember right, like in the '90s on that Northwest, um, what was it? That chant. There was a channel here in the Northwest that played news basically 24 hours a day, but it had like some sort of special interest shows certain days of the week. And one of these yeah. guys, well, I think it was Jake Mo, had the ski the skiing tip show. So you know, it'd be like 15 minutes long or something like that, and they'd show ski tips. So so these guys, you know, they went on to do some other cool stuff. Um, it's just like they old hero status in my heart because of the enduring uh, legacy of their magazine. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to see it go, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is for sure. For sure. But you know, I mean, follow them on social media, uh, the whole powder movement I, I think is going to sustain and, and hopefully end up back in print at some point. I mean, I think there's still a role for print media. I have magazines. Powder was one of them that I stuck with because yeah. Yeah. So, um, I really hope that they, that they find a new home in print and, uh, you know, Hey, maybe there's a listener out there that can, uh, help make that happen. Again, the phone number was right at the top of the show, but, uh, you know, make a large donation and we'll buy powder. And we'll, you know, <laughs> well, go ahead and well it looks it. like the company that, that owns them went bankrupt. So that must've uh, been part of reorganization. I'm also see, I haven't watched this, but on YouTube, there's a, uh, from 2013, there's a Jake Moe and David Moe talk 40 years of powder magazine at Evo. So they must have been down at Evo doing some yeah. kind of promotion in their studio. Yeah, that'd be well, cool to check out. I remember, so in my, the years where I became determined to, um, to get out there and, and, you know, see if this was really, a, this sport was really a passion where, in my early 20s and it was kind of interrupted by a few years of law school and didn't ski a whole lot at those during those years but um but before that was when i think you know whatever you want to call it extreme skiing back then free skiing now um was in its formative time and um there were guys doing things that powder just seemed to have 
featured in my mind. It may be inaccurate, but looking back, you know, excuse me, issue after issue after issue. Um, Steve Casimiro, you already mentioned, was just an incredible editor. He just knew how to capture. Um, it, he did those little intros every month, you know, kind of mm -hmm. like many magazines have, and he just knew how to capture something about the spirit of skiing in those. And he wrote some great articles and some feature travel articles and all that. But what was interesting to, to me is that those guys that are still well known today, uh, Glenn Plake, you know, and his big Mohawk and, and uh, Scott Schmidt, Mike Hattrip, those guys just absolutely defined the, the, the movement that was no longer all about racing and, and waiting for the Olympics to come around every four years, but, you know, caused a whole bunch of us to take a huge interest in, you know, skiing steep stuff and realizing that, you know, there's more to the mountains than what, than what is groomed. And mm -hmm. um, anyhow, they, they, uh, they've been a, a huge influence on so many people as well as some of the filmmakers that came out of that era. Yeah, I I think back to, I think it was a K2 ad or a K2 poster, you know, remember the extremely different K2 oh, poster? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a Phil or Steve Mayer and Glenn Plake yeah. you know, facing off with with the extremes and then, you know, whatever K2's race ski at the time was. But you can see the influence on me because I only noticed the extreme, um, you know, in, in that poster. So, right. but yeah, it, it really... It, it captured that whole transition from racing to free skiing and then ultimately from free skiing, you know, then becoming a sport of its own and, and being in the Olympics and being subject to all the, you know, regulation and, and everything that it seemingly shouldn't be, but still thriving. Oh yeah. Um, but what was so cool too about powder is you think, okay, our generation is doing the most extreme things and, 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 you know, it's being the most, bringing the most innovation to skiing. But then you look, if you get your hands on an article from the seventies, you know, there's guys that are sending <laughs> it, um, on little skinny, skis. On, on little skinny, long skis with leather boots back in the day. So, you know, it, it's, it just has what? been, such they lacked in width they had in length i guess for landing those major yeah well <laughs> they weren't they weren't afraid to run pictures of guys you know with with uh uh wool kind of army grade surplus pants on that were just killing it on the hill because that's what mattered you that's know right. it wasn't like these other publications that wanted everyone looking perfect yeah. And maybe can you put on a little makeup if we're going to take your picture? And Yeah, it wasn't one giant ballet goggles ad. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, I think th this topic bears more discussion. Yeah. And I think through our network, we can get a little closer to the situation. I'd love to bring a few people on and maybe talk about some stories of powder over the years. And uh, I'd love that. And, yeah, and we we'll need see. we also... Um, uh, we we also need to revisit just kind of a work through their final issue that came out. It came to me in November, I think, um, because it it captures a lot of the history and spirit of the magazine. So, mm -hmm. well, good. Let's do it. Have you been skiing much lately? I've not been up in a little while. I mean, with New Year's and everything, I've got some. Yeah deferred home maintenance projects that I'm tackling just because I had some time off free from emails and zoom meetings for a little bit. So nice. I, yeah, I have not been up. Um, 
But, you know, trying to make reservations, it's uh, one of the questions I get from my kids all the time is, hey, can we go skiing on X day or when I go with my friends and then jump on the phone to just um, buy a, you know, try to buy a ticket to see if I can even get any right. kind of a Sort of access. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the challenge and that's the talk of the mountain is, is reservations and playing the game and and I don't know how other mountains, well, I should say, I've heard lots about how mountains other than Crystal Mountain are doing it right now. Um, I haven't heard much about how those things are working out. Um, but there's, you know, certainly some, some gaming to play. You heard um, on the last episode that I think it came out this morning, and in case our listeners are curious, today is the 4th, Monday the 4th. Uh, Chris Mayer was talking about um, skiing in the backcountry and so forth. My impression from Chris is that he hasn't been doing a lot of planning ahead and making reservations very far ahead like the rest of us have, you know, been clicking on the calendar as soon as like spaces open up and all that sort of thing. But what he has been doing, and, and Chris has an advantage because he has the backcountry skills in his hip pocket. So if he doesn't get a ticket, he really doesn't care because he can go up and mm. and earn some turns. But um, what he said is he's had pretty good luck. There's two time intervals when you can pick up the, the tickets that people last minute drop. Okay. So, and it's particularly helpful for icon pass holders. And I check with your icon pass, but I believe it's 7 PM at night and then five 30 in the morning. Okay. So that's, that gives you time to get to the mountain. That's good information. I didn't know that. That's so when for a same it. day for a same day like reservation if you want to give it for the next day you're saying you got to hit that before 5 30 a.m yeah. well you can check back anytime AF. because if you know yeah. let's say that some group of 10 turns their reservations back in because they realize they're not going to be able to go on whatever day it was they planned then suddenly those are going to open up but with however many thousands of icon pass holders out there that are yeah. you know at certain intervals throughout the day looking for that february 6th date february, you know that's what i'm looking for um right. So, but they, the messages don't give up. Look the late at night, you know, be ready at, at, you know, 10.01 PM and be ready at 7.30 or 7.01 AM or whatever the intervals are that the mountain will, uh, whatever mountain you're skiing on publishes that they um, free up whatever's come in at that last period of time. Okay. Good tips. You heard yeah. it here on On the right. Podcast. Yeah, heard it. From Listen Chris. And, and 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 learn. Like yeah. Well, to, the other thing is sneaking to get reservations. Plan ahead. Time. You know, and that's that's yeah. the problem here. We our our program, our podcast tries to gear toward you know the average family that wants to go skiing, and mm -hmm. um, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, just buy tickets and go up and see how it goes. When you know the reality is, is best practice would be to actually make a reservation. So look out there now. There's there's um, in some areas, uh, bachelor, you don't have to make a reservation for your ticket, but you have to make a reservation for parking. And you know, <laughs> they get my, you with the parking. Well, that's and that's you. the same thing for uh, Snowbird. A friend of mine lives yeah. down there, and he was telling me that. Um, well, and same with Bachelor. These places that are doing the parking reservations, they're not charging you for the reservation, which great as a consumer. Right. But a little bit of supply and demand, you know, uh, influence yeah. might help make some space available 
when there's people who, you know, have gone in and they max out the amount right. of days. They've taken all the deck can. chairs on the, on the cruise ship. Yeah. 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 Maybe putting like a $50 deposit on it or something would help with that. You know, just, just to, you know, make it so it's not so easy to just go in there and reserve right. everything in sight. Yeah. Um, white pass. I know I don't have a pass there. They have a blurb on their website though, that they're like, we don't, you know, require reservations for our season pass holders and we never will kind of thing. They're kind of proud of that. Yeah. You know, I don't think they have the same pressure with the distance, um, right. not being a member of like an icon pass, but if you want to ski there and you don't have a pass, you've got to buy a ticket. And you know, that week in between Christmas and new year's couldn't buy a ticket there. No, but other than that, it's been pretty much wide open. So I guess what I'm saying there is they, they really don't have a system to check reservations because you're either there with a pass yeah. and you're getting right in the lift or you got to buy your ticket and you have to show them your receipt for your ticket you bought online. So All right. it's a, good, a pretty good way to handle it there. But again, they don't have the pressure that, you know, some the resorts, the, the, yeah. like more major resorts have. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's frustrating because the, from a safety standpoint, you want people to go there with only, you know, if it's a couple, you want them mm -hmm. to go and then meet their friends there who, you know, may, you know, for safety reasons, for COVID related reasons. But that just means that there's double the cars if you're doing that sort of, you know, if you're working through it with that sort of mentality. So it's a tough one. You know, you want to you want to tell people to go. So let's make it as easy on them. So we're not going to charge them. On the other hand, if we charge them 50 bucks, they might stop and think twice about whether they really want to, you know, book up your bill reservation yeah. space that others actually would use. Do you want to email that to Crystal or should I, should I no, do it? We'll get that, no, no. We'll get that taken care of. <laughs> I got all my, I got all my reservations made. I'm good. So I, <laughs> I'm going to be greedy got, on this one. You've got your towels in the deck chairs. I'm so. talking about uh, those places that aren't doing reservations on the mountain, but are only doing yeah. parking. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's definitely a frustrating, but it's kind of, you know, it, it's a new normal. So figure out how to best play the game, I guess is the message. That's right. And yeah, like you said, uh, sometimes going backcountry may be the way to go. Um, I'll classify yeah. that under type B fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, you know, Chris covered that but, so uh, nicely, but you know, that, and that's the other thing, like I was just listening to the news before I came down here to record with you and they're talking about these winter storm warnings and the winter storm warnings, you know, that the, they are worried about the backcountry skiers because they get all excited about it. But then when it warms up, they're, they're, um, vulnerable, you know, to right. that avalanche danger. And so get those skills, get the training, and then you can go with confidence. Yeah, it goes without saying. I mean, all the guys that I know, myself included in the past that have done backcountry stuff, you know, you take that stuff real seriously, take a class, learn how to, you know, dig a pit, do all the assessment, look at the NWAC forecast, um, because you can really get yourself in trouble. But yeah, it's a great way to Hey, go up there. Maybe we're riding the lifts today. Maybe we're just walking uphill. <laughs> That's Getting right. All sweaty. I know. It's kind of jealous. <laughs> Cracking at PBR. Chris was talking about that. that. He's like, "Yeah, I'm planning on going to the mountain tomorrow. I don't have lift tickets. I might get some. If I don't, I'm yeah. fine." Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a real healthy way to to approach a frustrating time. Um, it is for sure. Well, let's just mention. You know, we got a, a number of things that we're looking forward to having on the air, including. Um, I think you called him the leg wrestler and his, uh, his snow blowing machine, um, snow guns, DIY snow guns. We're going to cover that in an upcoming episode. 
Yeah, we have a friend that's a bit of a wizard in the home snowmaking community. And uh, he has perfected a system to effectively make snow in super marginal conditions. So, you know, anytime the temperature's dropping below about 36 degrees, I'm texting him and asking him what the wet bulb is, which is a term <laughs> I just learned. But uh, the wet bulb, interesting. So we'll have him on to tell us about wet bulb, about, uh, you know, the proper ratio of air pressure to water pressure, sizing your orifices and everything else you need to know to make snow at home, because it really is not that complicated. If you happen to have a lathe, uh, some tiny little drill bits and access to uh, several air compressors and pressure washer pumps. But Maybe we'll get him to tell kind of the, the Home Depot version, you know, of how to, uh, the Home Depot, like wh whether there's parts and stuff available for a simplified version of making a snowblower for your backyard. There is, there is, um, <laughs> definitely. It involves, well, he's got super, night skiing. Last a time super, I saw. Soak, a super soaker and a hairdryer. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff's got night skiing at his private mountain. If we just get him a chairlift. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's got the, yeah, I'm I'm excited now to get him on to talk about this because there's there's a lot we need to get into. But I've yeah. had some of the best powder turns in my life two years ago when we had that big storm on the hill in his backyard because it was it's just it's graded so well, you know, and it's such a <laughs> such a good run. Yeah, it's an awesome little hobby. All right. Well, Mike, thanks for the conversation tonight about powder you, and reservations and um let's get out there. Let's go do it. I, All right. It, the season is just starting. So beginning well, of January, storms are moving in. Storms so. are moving in big time this week. It should be a good month. Um, again, call, again, listeners, 253-260-4577 is where you're going to find us, or at least our answering machine, and uh, on theliftpodcast.com. And when you're looking at your uh, your iPhone or your Android device or whatever you're listening to this on, if you like it, review us, rate us, and uh, we appreciate it. And um, tips up. Tips up. See you guys in the next show. On the Lift Podcast is a production of Runaway Dumpster, LLC. Visit us at ontheliftpodcast.com, where you can listen to back episodes of the podcast. You'll also find show notes feedback box and our call-in number 253-260-4577.